Amen. Thanks, Grant. Um, yeah, I'm going to just pull out one of these mic stands. It was funny, as, um, as we were worshiping today, I'm pretty sure it wasn't the voice of God, but I had a strange memory. Um, as, as you noted, my last name is Bourne, and uh, when I was in grade eight, I had a really good friend whose name was Bruce Berth. And uh, besides the fact that we shared the same uh, initials for our names, BB, um, we also came to the conclusion that Christmas was really all about us. Because you notice that in many of the songs we were singing, there were references to born and to birth, right? So, um, sorry, pretty narcissistic moment there for a second there. But <laughs> it's one of those strange ones here. My eyesight's not what it used to be, so I'm going to pull this up a little bit higher. There we go. Excellent. As uh, you have heard already... Um, our focus for this particular Sunday is to, focus, uh, is to think about the fact that in Jesus, God has spoken. God has a voice. And um, we know that we live in a world that depends on good communication. When cell signals are disrupted or internet connections are down... We feel lost until communication has been restored. And I've actually seen this at Columbia, where some, you know, all of a sudden our computer system will go down, and, and I'll look out and, and people are like wandering the hallways. They're lost. Like, what should I do now because I can't connect anymore? But more seriously, and even on a more personal level, I think we all have experienced the pain of a communication breakdown within a relationship. All of a sudden, you know that experience, right? A wall goes up and a personal connection almost seems impossible. Now, one of the most beautiful elements of the Christmas story is that through Jesus, the greatest communication gap in history has been bridged. The word became flesh and blood and moved into the neighborhood, we're told in John chapter 1, verse 14. In Christ, the eternal word, the channels of communication have been opened between a holy God and a rebellious human race. We had turned our back on God, but he turned his face and his voice towards us. Because God speaks and continues to speak, we can now experience full and abundant life. And today we are considering that theme. Jesus has a voice. Now God is not silent and he has never been. It is in the nature of God to communicate. He's spoken through creation, through, his, through the Old and New Testaments, through the Holy Spirit. And he has forever been speaking through his Son, Jesus Christ. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, uh, was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him, all things were made. Without him, nothing was made that has been made. And in him was life, and that life was the light of all humanity. Now, if God has a voice, why does it seem like it's only some people who hear him speaking? Why can some hear the voice of God when viewing a beautiful waterfall, 
while others seem to be oblivious to Jesus' presence in that, even in that place. Why is it that some can hear God speak through a passage of Scripture, while for others the message seems to just bounce off of them like water off a duck's back? Some hear the gospel message and respond immediately, while others think it sounds ridiculous. There's a mystery even in this. Years ago, I heard a kind of crazy story. It was about a guy who was stuck in prison for murder. He knew nothing of God. He had almost no resources, but somehow he was able to gain access to tobacco. And he liked rolling his own cigarettes. And he discovered that the pages of Gideon Bibles make great cigarette paper. At first, he would just rip the pages out. But because he had lots of time in prison, he started reading the pages before he would smoke them. As he literally smoked his way through the Gospels, he heard Jesus speaking to him, and he repented and put his faith in Christ. God works in mysterious ways. Jesus speaks to those who listen. But as I said, sometimes it is a bit of a mystery as to how it works. Now this morning, I'm simply going to focus on this connection between Jesus' voice and his invitation to experience life as God intended. And we're going to be looking at this passage from John chapter 10, verses 1 to 11. And I'm going to start by reading the first five verses. John 10, and you can, uh, you'll see it up on the screen here shortly. And in fact, I'm going to actually read it off the screen if I can. There we go. Um, Very truly, I tell you Pharisees, anyone who does not enter the sheep pen by the gate, but climbs in uh, by some other way, is a thief and a robber. The one, who for, the one who enters by the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. The gatekeeper opens the gate for him, and the sheep listen to his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought out all his own, he goes on ahead of them, and his sheep follow him because they know his voice. But they will never follow a stranger. In fact, they will run away from him, because they do not recognize a stranger's voice. Now, if we stopped reading at that point, I think, you know, I think most of us could probably give a reasonable interpretation of this text. We would look at this and say, well, Jesus is the shepherd who enters through the gate. The sheep are those who follow Jesus. And the thieves and the robbers are evil influences or people who jump the fence, and try to steal life. That's a pretty simple way to be able to understand this particular figure of speech. But even if we're correct, we need to figure out, well, then how do we apply this to our lives? Now let's read verse 6. And in verse 6 says, Jesus used this figure of speech, but the Pharisees did not understand what he was telling them. Now, maybe we're like the Pharisees, and we don't understand either. Now, fortunately, Jesus didn't leave his listeners hanging. 
He explained himself in the verses that follow. And we'll read those verses now, verses 7 to 10. Jesus said again, Very truly I say to you, I am the gate for the sheep. All who have come before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep have not listened to them. I am the gate. Whoever enters through will be saved. They will come in and go out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and to kill and to destroy. But I've come that they may have life and have it to the full. Now, even this could be a little bit surprising to us because Jesus, in the first five verses, was talking about a shepherd. And then all of a sudden, in verse 7, he starts talking about a sheep gate. The original story hardly mentions this gate, and yet that's where Jesus focuses. Finally, in verse 11, he returns to this idea of the good shepherd, where he says, I'm the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. He's, this, he's both the good shepherd as well as the sheep gate. And we're going to pick up on both of those points as I go forward today. Now, I chose this passage for a variety, of, for three different reasons. First, it focuses on listening on, to Jesus' voice. Secondly, it focuses or it provides us with the reason for why Jesus came. And as we're in the Christmas season, we could say it provides us with a reason for the season. And finally, joy is the theme for the third advent of Sunday. And if we think about the full and abundant life that Jesus promises, this is to be a life of joy. What I love about this passage is that Jesus tells us explicitly why he came to earth, why he was incarnated as a baby first and eventually becoming an adult. He says, I've come that they might have life and have it to the full. In order for us to experience that life, we need to listen to Jesus' voice and then follow where he leads. But not only that, we must actively reject the voices of the stranger, the thief, and the robber. Now, I mentioned that negative element within this story because I think that many of us today are listening to multiple voices. People may even think it's the right thing to do. We need to listen to everyone equally. Jesus has a different message for us. Because if we're just simply listening to all, this, all these, these voices that are out there, the result is confusion. And all of us are dealing with a cacophony of voices each day. The internet, social media, news feeds, music and movies, we are bombarded by voices that want our attention, our money, our loyalty. All of these things, voices are calling to us. They want us to buy their product, to believe their new idea, to support their cause, or to join their group. These voices often sound very attractive. The voices that assail us at Christmas are loud. Like no other time of the year, we're told, if you really want to live, you need to buy this, right? We all know these consumeristic messages that go out. 
When we're out there shopping, it's like we're told that if you really love your child or your grandchild or your spouse or whoever, fill in the blank, then you need to buy this particular product. None of us are immune. The lure of advertising is everywhere. Our materialistic society thrives on the belief that we can buy the good life. But it's not just the voice of consumerism that is calling out to us. We live in a day and age of new and recycled ideologies. Drugs and other mind-altering substances are offered as a way to escape the meaninglessness of life. Sexual experimentation is promoted as a road to freedom. Political activism is advanced as the way to cure society's ills. But what's the result? Jesus said, The thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. And he wasn't exaggerating. Our culture is experiencing epidemic levels of fentanyl deaths, mental health disorders, self-harming behaviors, suicidal ideation, and utter hopelessness. Who are we listening to? The thief? The robber? The stranger? Now, surely, someone at this point in the sermon should jump up and say, Brian, stop being so negative. It's Christmas. We're supposed to be having a joyful message. Amen to that. So let's change, turn the page and focus on the positive. Jesus came so that we might have life and have it to the full. For that to happen, as I said, we need to hear his voice. Jesus explicitly tells us that the way to the good life is not over the wall, but through the gate. And in verse 7, he tells his listeners that he is the gate for the sheep. This is the third I am statement found in the Gospel of John. Earlier, Jesus referred to himself as the bread of life and as the light. We've already read in verse 11 that he calls himself the good shepherd. These I am statements are important because they are explicit claims to divinity. Jesus is identifying himself with the, old, the God of the Old Testament. Jehovah or Yahweh means I am. Jesus is telling us that the way to life is through him. He made it even more clear in John chapter 14, verse 6. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. This is the most important message that we can ever hear. There are multiple voices, multiple gates, lots of enticing opportunities, but Jesus is the one and only way to the full and abundant life. So what does that life look like? Does it mean that we'll be rich or healthy or popular, athletic or talented? Maybe, maybe not. What Jesus is referring to is a different quality of existence, a life with meaning and hope and purpose, a life lived in right relationship with God. The opposite to what Jesus offers is the destruction of the inner person, the abandonment of all that God created us to be. As God's children, we experience love, joy, and hope. It's a life that's going somewhere. It's eternal life. When Jesus calls out to us, he sees not only what we currently are, but what we can become. He invites us to give our lives to him and to allow his spirit within us to transform us into the people God intended us to become. 
It's like the work of a sculptor. It said at one time that there was an observer who wandered into the area where the great sculptor Michelangelo was working. Michelangelo was working on this huge shapeless piece of rock. And this observer asked him what he was doing. Michelangelo came back with this amazing response. He said, I am releasing the angel imprisoned within this marble. What a beautiful image. Jesus is doing the same thing with us. He is the one who can shape us into all who we were meant to be. The life he invites us to may not always look appealing when judged by the world's standards, but it's a life of purpose and hope. I will never forget a conversation I had a number of years ago with a young man. It was way back in the 1990s, and at the time, my wife and I and our family, we were serving as missionaries in Botswana, Africa. We had returned to Canada for a few months in order to connect with our supporting churches. And in this one church, after we had shared about what we'd seen God doing even in the midst of the HIV-AIDS pandemic, this young man approached me. And he congratulated me for my courage, which kind of surprised me. And then he said something to me that I found very sad. He told me, I have never fully given my life to Christ because I'm afraid that if I do, God will send me to where? To Africa. And he said that to me, and it just, I just remember thinking, this is tragic. My response to him was, you should be so lucky that God might send you to Africa. Because wherever God sends us, whatever he calls us to do, it won't necessarily be easy. It might be very difficult. But it will be what's best. It will be the full life he's promised. In case there's any doubt about what Jesus' intentions are for those who listen to his voice, he makes it perfectly clear in verse 11, where he says, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for his sheep. His love is eternal. Now that message of laying down his life may not sound very Christmassy, but it's actually at the heart of the Christmas message. Jesus humbled himself and became one with us. He laid down his life in order that we might receive forgiveness and, rec and reconciliation with God. Christmas and Easter cannot be unhooked because the good shepherd is also the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. When we affirm that Jesus has a voice, we recognize God's longing for a relationship with his creation. Jesus said, his sheep follow him because they know his voice. This is the language of relationship. Do we know Christ's voice? Will we hear him above the din of the crowd? Will we recognize his voice amidst the competing messages on our social media and news feeds? Will we create the space to listen well and ponder how best to apply what we've heard? How can we attune ourselves to Jesus' voice? Hopefully, all of us are hearing from Jesus on a regular voice. 
And there are, of course, multiple ways this can take place. And you heard from some of our traveling ministry team today some of the ways that they're hearing from God. It can happen through a scripture passage, a song, an image, a word of encouragement, a walk in the woods. Of late, I've been encouraged in a variety of ways. Our students, many times their thoughtful words, their prayers, and their energetic passion for God and for life. I hear God speaking to me through that. This last Friday night as I was praying with a couple of our grandchildren, they're five and three, I heard God speaking through their prayers, through that humble faith that they express. As I reflect on my past experiences of hearing from Jesus, I find a number of principles at work, and perhaps these will be useful to you as well. When I think of listening to God, I want to seek to know Christ. This is about relationship. Philippians 3 verse 10 is my favorite verse of scripture. The apostle Paul writes there, I want to know Christ. I, know, I want to know the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of sharing in his sufferings. It's all about knowing Christ. Secondly, we need to expect God to provide guidance, to speak to us. Too often we pray without really believing that God will answer. He will, and sometimes in unexpected ways. As I said, maybe it's through others, maybe it's going to be through a dream or a vision an image that comes to mind. What's always important is to check, is this in alignment with God's word? Third, we need to pay attention. Is there something in our life that needs addressing? Has sin created a blockage in our ability to hear from God? Fourth, let's be obedient to what God has already shown us. And then be patient. Fifth, wait upon the Lord. I know for myself, one of the places that during COVID became really significant to me for hearing from God is I'd go down to the Fraser River and some of the gravel bars. People at the college know this about me. It's a bit of a strange thing. I'm a rock hounder. I love rocks. I love finding agates and jasper and jade and all these things on the gravel bars of the Fraser River. But what I also find when I'm down there is I find God. And God finds me. And we have these, I have these opportunities to just be quiet and actually listen. Sometimes the bald eagle, a blue heron, a river otter, all kinds of different ways God speaks through creation. Are we making space? Listen to the wisdom and discernment of others. Listen to mature Christians in your life who can speak to you about what it is that, uh, that God is saying to you. And finally, as I've said at the beginning, keep focusing on getting to know Jesus better. It's all about relationship. We can't expect to hear from God if we're not making time to listen for his voice. A couple of Sundays ago, I sensed Jesus speaking to me as I was worshiping in my home church. The simple but profoundly true lyrics to the song, Goodness of God, spoke to me deeply. And I want to share them with you as an encouragement in, in conclusion. The lyrics go as, following, as follows. I love you, Lord, for the, your mercy never fails me. All my days I've been held in your hands. From the moment that I wake up until I lay my head down. I will sing of the mercy of God 
And all of my life, you've been faithful. And all of my life, you have been so, so good. With every breath that I am able, I will sing of the goodness of God. I love your voice. You have led me through the fire in the darkest night. You are close like no other. I've known you as a father. I've known you as a friend. And I have lived in the goodness of God. I hope that is your experience. One final passage this morning from the Gospel of John. In John chapter 6, there's a really interesting interaction between Jesus and the crowds and his disciples. And at one point, Jesus says, The Spirit gives life. The flesh counts for nothing. The words I have spoken to you, they are full of spirit and life. What an amazing truth. He went on to say some other things that kind of caused people to turn and, and move away and stop following him, it even says. And then Jesus asked his disciples, you do not want to leave too, do you? And Simon Peter, now sometimes Simon Peter got wrong, but on this case he got it right. And he answered Jesus and he said, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. It's your voice that we need to be listening. We have come to believe and to know that you are the Holy One of God. Lord God, we thank you so much that you have spoken to us in so many ways, but preeminently through your Son, our Lord Jesus Christ. And this Christmas season, as we gather here today and throughout the rest of this season, may we, be, may we listen to you. Pray that we would be paying attention to your voice and to your guidance in our lives. And where we need to maybe change direction, maybe there's a relationship that needs to be restored or dealt with. Lord, if there's something that needs to take place, help us to be obedient. We want to grow more and more into your image and likeness. Help us to, uh, to love you and to love others the way you have called us to do. Thank you again for your grace, your goodness, and for your voice. In Jesus' name, amen.